0: You're listening to the FC Young Adult Podcast. Hey everybody, Uh, my name's Shane. If you don't know me, I get to hang out with our high school students on a weekly basis and it is some of the most fun in the world. It is the most drama I get all week. I live... I live a, re, a reality TV show every week and I love it. It is it is truly so it's so it's so much fun you guys. I just love it. Just remember when you were in high school yeah. and the drama that occurred every single week. They tell your pastor, so it's wonderful and it's great, and I get to hear all the things. So, I'm just so happy to be here. Evan asked if I could step in and talk with you. We're going to take a little break uh, from his detour series, and um, I was praying through and just trying to think through what what did what Lord, what do you got today? What do you what do you have uh, for us today? And one of the one of the books of the Bible I love reading through is the Book of Exodus, and Exodus is a fascinating fascinating book of a group of people who are, well, they're leaving, okay? So they're in a mass exodus, and it starts this interesting um, route where they're trying to figure out where where the promised land is, and they're trying to make it to the promised place that the Lord has for them, and all the trials that kind of go through that time, but they're led by a leader who doesn't want to lead, they're led by a leader who doesn't want to lead by the name of Moses. And if you've been around the church for a long time, you know he is a pillar uh, in the Bible. A lot of people talk about Moses and he was, he was, he was a leader who everybody, if, if you've been in the church, you hear his name said and it's like, oh, he was this big, this bold, this crazy dude. And y'all, he was one of the most timid, nervous wrecks uh, when he started off in his leadership journey. That, that there is pretty much in all of the scripture. And he made every excuse, every thought, and he didn't know what to do. And he was about to have this mass exodus on his hands that he had to leave out of the land of Egypt. I don't know if you've ever been in a mass exodus before, but it's absolute chaos, okay? It's, it's terrifying, it's a little nerve wracking. How many NFL fans in here, anybody? Anybody been to an NFL game before? Okay, a few of us. I love going to an NFL game, and I got the privilege of going to a Niner Viking game. I'm a big Viking fan. I went to a Niner Viking uh, game in San Francisco. Yeah, you guys can pray for me. My heart dies every single year, because I get so excited, and it's just the worst year ever, and we're starting it off right, so... Um, but we went to San Francisco and I was excited to go to San Francisco. I was excited to go there. This new stadium was just built. And so we were, we were going to this new stadium and super excited because I'm like, the Vikings are going to do it this year. And it's early on. It's a Monday night football game. It's like everything is ready to go. And we're just pumped up. The Vikings got annihilated. Like, it wasn't even close. We scored, they scored one touchdown and the nine. it was bad, you guys. And I was with, with my mentor and friend at the time who's a huge Niner fan. So he's happy. All right. I'm not. I'm a little grouchy at the time. And we're just, we're sitting there watching this game and I'm fine. It's fine. I, you know, threw too many interceptions. It was great. And as we're watching the game, it's getting closer and closer to the end, you know. I don't know if you've noticed at any professional games that you go to or non-professional games you go to, um, there's a tendency for people to indulge in a beverage. And um, they enjoy themselves a lot and drinking happens. And there's this guy right behind me who is just letting them go. And um, so I'm, I'm sitting there. We, we just, the game's over, okay? I stand up, we're ready to go. And this guy gets in my face, because I am obviously not wearing Niner gear, because I am a proud Viking fan, okay? And so I'm, I'm in this Viking stuff, and he is in my face yelling at me, like, you, you, mf you don't even know what you're doing. I'm like, okay, we lost. Like, like we lost. can I just go and be sad? Like, I'll just go in peace. And he is just so angry that I would defile the niner property with my viking appearance and like he is he is he is close and at this point i'm just like and he about spits in my face, y'all. Like he's spitting in my face as he's yelling at me. He's drunk. You smell it. And like my fists are clenching. And I'm I'm like, I'm I'm gonna punch a guy and I'm gonna find out what Stadium Prison looks like. <laughs> I'm so excited. Like and 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 you guys, I get to this point and my, my mentor, he sees me, Ryan, he sees me because I go back like this, and I'm picking up my fist, and I'm ready to deck this dude. He's just this, old, and he's just this old fart, this old skinny guy that's like just in my face, and I was probably gonna kill him, okay? Like, and I knew it, and but everything in me, and he just, and he's a big dude, okay? And he's like, bro, you need to back up. And what I didn't notice is there were four other Niner fans behind me that were also ready to fight me cause they saw me like ready to go. And I'm like, what is happening? And so we start like mass exiting out of this stadium and you guys, they were dumb. The, the, the stadiums fit thousands and thousands and tens of thousands of people and we are flooding through one exit. So I am walking next to this dude for 45 minutes, as he is yelling at me with four other Niner fans and we are trying to squish through this little exit and there's thousands of us coming out of this exit. Can you imagine the feelings that were in my heart and mind at that moment? Uh, anger, okay, fury, and all right. Like I was just was not a happy person, but everybody around me is just getting more and more and more irate. Like feelings are starting to get risen. People are angry. And what I start to see is cause they had gates just lined up. People started crashing through the gates. Like people were ticked off that they were funneling us out of the stadium. And it was so intriguing to me. I cannot imagine what this mass exodus was looking like that is described in the Bible. Because what's described in the Bible is a whole country that is leaving Egypt. Not just 30,000 people. Moses is about to leave a group of people out of Egypt in this mass exodus that is got to be absolutely terrifying for him. And he doesn't, he doesn't know what to do or how to do it. But I wanna give you a little background to Moses because I think this is really important before we get in to some of this stuff that created this interesting leader. See, when we look at the book of Exodus, Pharaoh um, had an interesting decree early on. And what we find is Moses is actually hidden, all right? He is hidden on uh, basically the Red Sea shore because um, they wanted to kill every male baby. He had issued a decree that every male Hebrew baby be killed because he didn't want anybody to rise up to come against him as a king. He wanted to get rid of any of that. So Exodus 1 starts us off. Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, gave this order to the Hebrew midwives. When you help the Hebrew women as they give birth, watch as they deliver. If it is a baby boy, kill him. If it is girl, let her live. And this is interesting to me, and, I, and I've, I've wrestled with why this is, and it has nothing to do with leadership. It has nothing to do with anything. It has to do with this fear that was starting to wellow up in Pharaoh's heart of a leader being born that was going to be taken seriously that could rival him. And in his mind, it was, it was, a, it was a young Hebrew boy that could potentially do it. So he was going to try to figure out what could happen. So Moses gets hidden because his mom hears this decree, he gets hidden and this princess of Pharaoh finds Moses and picks him up. And actually the, the, one of the servants of this princess happens to be Moses' big sister. So she says, hey, you should have a Hebrew woman come and take care of this little baby and then it can be yours. So he actually go, she goes and gets Moses' mom and Moses' mom takes care of Moses until the princess is ready to claim Moses as her own. And so she does, once, she, once she's done breastfeeding, all of these things and getting ready, and this, this, he, this little baby is given over to this princess, and now Moses is being risen up in Pharaoh's palace. And he's becoming this, this, this strength and this person of power under Pharaoh, a place he never expected to be, a place that no Hebrew was supposed to ever enter. Moses was getting in there. But Moses, as he becomes this leader of Pharaoh, he sees his people getting beaten, getting abused. They were slaves. They were getting murdered. And there was this fight that had broke out between this Hebrew and this Egyptian. And Moses looks around contemplates and goes, no, I'm going to do something about this and kills this Egyptian man. This is an Egyptian guard. Well, at this point, he becomes a fugitive. Following day after this happens, this occurs in, later in Exodus chapter 2. The next day, when Moses went out to visit his people again, he saw two Hebrew men were fighting. Why are you beating up your friend? Moses said to the one that had started the fight, the man replied, who appointed you to be the prince and the judge? Aren't you, though, going to kill me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday? So now he's not taken seriously by the Hebrew people, and Pharaoh is just about to find out what had transpired. So Pharaoh finds out the Hebrews hate him. Now Pharaoh wants to kill him because you don't kill one of his men. And so what is Moses going to do? What is Moses about to do? He flees. He runs. He leaves to the middle of the wilderness. And in the middle of the wilderness, he just wants to die. He's saved by by, uh, a little, a, a young girl of a mean old shepherd man. She takes care of him. He gets brought into this family and he ends up marrying this young lady. Comes a shepherd himself, living in a, as a foreigner in a foreign land. Just minding his time, doing what he does, just going to work the field. This is his job. This is what he's supposed to do. And then everything changes. Exodus chapter 3. One day Moses was tending the flock in his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of the bush. Now, if you've been around church for a long time, you have heard this story, okay? This is the burning bush story. This is a story of a bush that's burning, not burning. That is, under. we don't understand, we don't fully comprehend, but something is about to happen and God is showing up in the middle of this blazing fire. Moses stared in amazement because it It's not burning, but it's burning, okay? So you get what I'm saying here? Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't this bush burning up? I gotta go see what in the heck is happening. Wouldn't you? If you saw it, I would. Even if it was a fire, I would hope that maybe I'd go try to put it out, but I don't know for sure. When the Lord saw Moses coming... To take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses, here I am. Do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. I am the God, your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. When Moses heard his voice, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. Now, you guys are intellectuals. You guys are adults. You're figuring out life, figuring out what your career is going to be, what your job's going to be, what you're hoping to do in your future. And if you're just sitting around at your job at Costco or you're at Shields or you're working at your job on the construction site or you're doing whatever it is that you're doing and you happen to stumble upon whatever it is in front of you that's currently on fire but it's not really on fire and all of a, all of a sudden a voice comes out from the middle of it what you're thinking? What's going on? Right, we're all a little confused. What in the heck has happened? Is somebody dying? Right, like we're immediately going to look to make sure that no death is happening. All right, but second, like this is this is this moment, and I and I want to hear you because we we brush over this kids ministry story stuff because this is what this is. this is. This is a kid's story. Like, hear what he says, Moses, Moses, here I am. John, John, here I am. Katie, Katie, here I am. I am here. You didn't even want me here, and I am here. Do you understand that that I am here, and I want you to know that I am here? He calls him by name, and he wants to get his attention so Moses is laying face down before God, who he is assuming is God and going, what is is happening? And the Lord calls out to him and he says, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I see what's going on. I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. I am aware of their suffering. I have heard it for years. God hears the problems of his people. He sees the problems of his people and he will do something about it. He's trying to say, I've heard it. So I've come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people, Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses protested to God, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? And God answered, I will be with you. And if you continue to read this interesting passage in Exodus 3 and you keep going, he says it over and over and over again. Who am I? Who am I? Who am I? Who am I? I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. I'm not going to do it. Who am I? What are you talking about? It's not me. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to lead for you. I'm not going to do it. How many of you have ever made the excuse, I'm just not going to do it? I can't do it. I don't want to do it. I don't have time. I'm busy. I'm busy. I got I to gotta, I gotta go, go feed the sheep at three. And then after 3 o'clock, dinner time's at 5, so I got to make sure to do that. But you don't understand what I have tonight. My shift starts at 6, so I got to make sure to get there at about five, 5.45 because I like to be 15 minutes early. Most of us like to be 15 minutes late. But, you know, like, we want to get there, you know, we got a we busy schedule, and then I got to sleep till noon, all right? But then I got classes, all right? You know, we, we make all of these things up, right? Well, who am I to do this? I can't, I can't help someone out. I'm trying to ca- keep control of my own stinking life. And God just responds every single time. All right, I'm with you. I can't do it. Okay, I got you. I'm not going to be that. No, 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 you don't understand. You don't hear me. I, I, I'm with you. I got you. I'm here. What can we learn from this story? And what can we learn from Moses, this leader who doesn't want to be a leader? First thing we can hear is God calls out to the broken. This is a man who is broken at the end of his rope, who doesn't want to be seen, who doesn't want to be known. He is paranoid of the people around him. He goes off into the wilderness because he he knows what he has done. Hebrews hate him, Egyptians hate him, and he is living in this foreign land, in this desert place, and he knows if he comes across the wrong person, he's going to be killed. Pharaoh wanted his head on a platter. And if Pharaoh issues this decree, it's happening. So this guy is paranoid, he's freaking out, he doesn't know what to do, he murders this dude. He didn't have faith in what God was doing. God wasn't freeing his people. He was showing, he showed up each and every day, wishing the Hebrews were going to be freed, and God never did anything. So he doesn't exist, right? He doesn't care. He's in a place where he's just struggling. Moses was messed up and broken at the end of his rope. He was lost. He still believed in God, but his belief in God was held by a thread. How many of you would say, man, I've been broken? I've struggled. I've wrestled. I've called on God through high school, through college, through my jobs. I've called on God in trying to figure out what in the world I'm going to do. I've called on God to help my family. I've called on God to help my friends. I've called on God to just show up in my life, and I feel like He doesn't even listen. And you feel more and more broken. You feel more and more lost. Pay attention to the burning bush. See, God didn't fix everything through the burning bush, did he? He didn't come in and fix all of Moses' problems. He didn't put some spell over the Egyptians to forget that he murdered some dude. God didn't fix it all. God didn't even give him courage. He lets him flounder this whole entire chapter in Exodus. But God showed up and called him out and called to him and said, hey, 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 I'm with you. God calls to the broken and just says, I'm with you. I see you. I hear you. I'm with you. And I'm going I'm to help you out through this. The world stinks sometimes. Life stinks sometimes. I'm going to walk with you. I got you. Where do you feel like life is messy right now? Where do you feel like things are in chaos where fear is winning? Or maybe you, you've sat there and gone, you don't, you, Shane, you don't understand. I, you, I have done some really stupid crap in my life. You don't know what I've done and it, it's broken me inside. I, I don't know if I can be whole. Maybe you've even been hurt by the church. You've come back and people have, people have said things where pastors have said things where it's, it's made you feel like, man, I am a broken human being and I, nobody loves me. Nobody's going to really care. God does. He took a broken person like Moses and said, hey, I'm with you and I'm here and I want you. I, I just want you. Second thing that we see is that God calls out to the outcast and the self-isolated. God calls out to the outcast and the self-isolated. And this is important because one, the outcast, person that's been shoved out, right? He was outcast by the Egyptians and by the Hebrew people. He was outcast. Nobody wanted him. They wanted him dead. And sometimes in life, we get outcast. By what we like, the way we look, the way we talk. Some of us have had friends turn on us, been cast out by our friends, our family, the people that we thought cared about us the most, a job, our church. Some of us feel like we have been outcast. God calls to you. But God calls to the second part of this. And I think this is what is important because Moses didn't stop to face the music. He didn't confront the people that outcast him. He self-isolated. He ran. And we, our generations are really good at this one. We self-isolate. And here's the funny thing, because we self-isolate around people. This, this, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you what I want you to hear. I'm going to tell you what I want you to think about me. I'm not going to be honest because I'm, my insecurity is big. I don't want anybody to know the true me and what's actually going on in my heart. We like to keep ourselves busy at work. We like to keep ourselves busy in life and we self-isolate through busyness. We self-isolate through everything. So we just go, 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 go. But then we don't actually have to feel our own feelings or talk about them or confront them. We self-isolate. We've run because if we're busy enough, we don't have to actually think about it. Why do we do this? Some of us physically isolate. Time to wake up. Okay, some of us <laughs> physically, like, like we self-isolate. We might shut our apartment door and go, I don't want anybody to talk to me. I'm out. This is, this is the thing that I did when my roommate moved out, he married my sister. Um, so when he did that, yeah, it was weird. Okay, you guys, it was just strange. The whole dating process, while your roommate, like, all right, but like Annie was my best friend. It's just weird, okay? But I lived all by myself, and it was so easy for me to shut the door and not talk to about talk to the people that cared for me. That knew what was going on in my mind or knew that something was happening on my face, and they were trying to approach me, talk to me, do whatever, and what did I do? I locked the door. It was really easy to do. And instead of talk to God, I'd drink instead. Cause why not? Because then the pain will go away. I can I can self-heal as well. I can just make it all just disappear. To the point I hated myself. You want to know what the fun thing was? I was doing ministry as I was doing this. I was keeping myself busy. I was working. I was going crazy. Like we were, I was doing everything to keep myself busy and to avoid actually having a real conversation. And if you go to this church outside of young adults, Nate, Nate Petzl is the pastor of our church. He's the first one that I sat down in his office and he goes, so are you going to tell me yet? And I went, yeah, I'm broken, I'm hurting, I'm isolating, and I'm afraid. And he could have fired me on the spot, but he didn't. He loved me well. And he said, you can do this. You can be a leader. And I'm like, no, I can't. Did you just hear what I told you? No, I can't. I'm depressed. I'm out of my mind. I'm, uh, what are you talking about? And Nate's like, no you, no, you got this. You can lead this. You can lead students and you can keep going. You're going to get help and I'm going to help you get help. But let's go. But then the doubt comes in. And this is the third part. God calls out the self-doubters. God calls out the self-doubters. I'm not good enough. I can't do it. I can't help people. He literally over and over, I can't talk in front of people. I stutter. This is what Moses said. I'm not smart enough. I'm not wise enough. Y'all, every single time I walk into young adults, I come here every, 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 every time Evan asks me to speak. You guys intimidate the crap out of me. Legitimately, I can, I, can, I can speak in front of hundreds of high schoolers and I'm fine. Hundreds of junior hires, I'm fine they're nuts. I can go in front of the main house and I'm fine. Okay. I can stand up there on a weekend and talk to people. I'm fine. I come in here and I'm terrified. I don't like, I I get nervous every time I speak when I'm here. I'm just like in my head. I can't do it. You guys are all smarter than me. That's true. And that's how I feel. Every time that I, I stand up here and I, and I come in here and I look at this and I go, man, Evan, I know is smarter than me. I can't bring anything like Evan's going to bring. He's a teacher. I just preach. I like to tell jokes in my sermon. I like making people laugh. I just make little things. When an alarm goes off, I wake up. Like, like this is, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a little bit of a golden retriever at times. Evan's a teacher to the core. Have you noticed this? When he gets up to you, I'm like, you're using words I don't know. I, guys, I went to high school with him. I went to, like, we have lived a lot of life together. I still am so dumb with him. When I sit in a meeting with him, I'm just like, Evan's words for dummies. (laughs) You read too many books. Ah. So I come in here and I'm like, oh my gosh, you guys are not getting Evan, (laughs) okay? Self-doubt just peers through my brain. Literally, I was while worship was happening, I'm sitting here looking through my notes going, "Oh dear God. I shouldn't have done this. I should just scrap it all." How many of you doubt the call that God has on your life? How many of you doubt that God even has a call in your life? How many of you doubt that you bring anything to the table? Self-doubt. It's real. And it's fascinating because even when somebody comes up to you and says, no, no, I believe in you. You do a good job. I'm proud of you. What do we do? Yeah, but you don't really know. <laughs> we shrug it off. You don't understand. You haven't seen. You don't, you don't know. I know me. I have to live with me. Self-doubt rings through our minds. And yet God still uses us. God uses Moses. He is one of the pillars in all of the scripture. There's this fascinating passage in the New Testament where Jesus is with his disciples. And as he's hanging out with his disciples, he goes off. His disciples are all falling asleep over there. He goes off and he stands in front of what appears to be two ghosts. Ghosts are real, okay? So two ghosts, two people, two spirits, two somethings. And it says it's Moses and Elijah, Moses and Elijah, Jesus is having a powwow right before he goes and gets put to death to, Jesus, to Moses and Elijah who led a lot of people going, all right, what would you do? How'd you handle this? This is Jesus, the son of God. Are you kidding me? Talking to the guy that self-doubted, self-isolated, and didn't believe that he could do anything and screwed up a lot of his life. God used to become one of the most major leaders in all the scripture and he didn't even lead the people to the promised land. He stayed out. But God used him. God used him. God calls out the leader in every single one of us. You don't have to be some Fortune 500 leader. You don't have to be the leader of a mega church. You don't have to be this leader of your business you don't have to be the manager wherever you're at you don't but he asks you to be a light and a leader right where you are with the people that you're with he asks you to step out of your comfort zone he asks you to influence people that are younger than you he asks you to influence the people that are your peers he asks you to influence the people that are older than you he asks you to lead He's not going to let you stand by and go and just hang out with a bunch of sheep in the middle of the wilderness. He has something for you to do. Wherever you find yourself in in the next 10 years, 15 years, I guarantee you people are going to be involved in your life. He wants you to lead. And he wants you to step out of that self-doubt, that hatred, that hurt, that fear. And he wants you to lead because he believes in you. And he'll help you walk through the pain. He'll walk, help you walk through. He's not going to fix everything, but he's going to help you get through. He's going to help you. So I have a couple of questions for you. Thinking about this, what am I allowing to control my life? What excuses am I using as the reason God can't and won't use me? My mom uses this phrase. Excuses are like butts. Everyone has one. And they all what? Stink. Stink. And every single time I make an excuse, guess what happens? Says, that, rings. that rings through my head. Literally, I was having a, Abby Schrock's in here. I was having a conversation with her today. And literally, I said, this is kind of an excuse. And in my head, Ring. What my mom said. It stinks. Your excuse stinks. What excuses are you using that that are getting in the way so that God can't use you? And what is in my way from coming back to God? What is it? Because I think if we're honest with all of these questions, we can answer some of these questions. What's in my way? What am I using as an excuse to not be used? Am I allowing something else, someone else to control my life and not listening to what the Lord has for me to do today? What am I doing? Am I letting my hope for the next career to keep me from listening to what God has for me? Am I allowing the busyness of my schedule to keep me from having a conversation with a person I might pass on the street that I kind of recognize when I look at him, I'm like, oh, I should talk to him, but I'm not gonna. I'm too busy. An excuse to not go and serve somewhere in some capacity and be a servant, not just a taker. What are we doing? Because I believe that God has a burning bush moment for every single one of us that's just saying, hey, I'm with you. Wherever you go, I'm with you. Whatever you've walked through, I'm with you. And it's time for you to step up and lead and stop using all the excuses. You guys, We, am super excited. We get to have a baby next month, okay? So excited. I can use that as a major excuse, and it's warranted even. People are expecting me to do it. The baby was, guys, Nate Halter, he was one of the guys over here, he was just like, man, I've had my baby like teething and she's just up all night. And I was up all night. And I'm like, yeah, I'm so excited for this, right? Could be an excuse for me to go, nah, I'm not going to work today. I'm not, I'm not going to go hang out with high schoolers after this. I'm going to chop their heads off, okay? They're nuts right now. They're going to, I, just, I was up with a screaming baby all night. And if I'm that cranky, my wife, oh man, she's going to be real grumpy. And you don't understand. I could use that as an excuse all day. But I'm not going to. I'm going to try probably, but I'm going to really do my best. and not going to. I can use the excuse if I've got so many meetings, I've got so many excuses that yeah, we're just going to do it. So own it, be honest, be self-aware, and let's follow what God has for us because he's right there with us and he wants us to step up and lead. Would you pray with me? And Jesus, thank you so much for today. Thank you that through Moses, you can speak to us. And through this book of Exodus, there's so much that happens. But God, a lot of us in this room, we might be feeling like we are, we're broken. We might be, feel like we're outcasts. Maybe we've been isolating ourselves or we're just doubting who we are and that we have any talents to give to this world whatsoever because it happens, Lord. Thank you for looking at us. And saying, no, no, no. no. You are my beautiful daughter. You are my wonderful, beautiful son. I'm so pleased with you. I love you. I care for you. And I have a plan and a purpose for you. Jesus, would we be able to step up and lead? Would we understand that you are with us? Would you help us to recognize it? Jesus, I ask that you would give each and every person in this room a burning bush moment where they hear your voice, whether it's in the core of their soul, whether it's in their mind, whether they hear it, whether it's through reading the word, but they hear something so clearly. And at the end of that phrase, they hear, I am with you. Jesus, give us pictures of where we're supposed to lead and how we're supposed to lead and then make that way. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to the FC Young Adult Podcast. If you are in the Billings area, we would love to see you at our in-person gatherings on Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. If you're unable to attend in person, there are always ways to engage online. Follow along through Instagram at faithchapel.ya or find our ministry page at faithchapel.cc. You are loved.